Hello and welcome to episode two of The Curriculum, a podcast from Cornerstones Education. This is a show that serves up news, tips and information for primary school leaders and teachers, all in the time it takes to squeeze in a coffee break or short commute. I'm Ian Broom and I'm joined by Melanie Moore, Curriculum Director at Cornerstones Education, and Catherine Scutt, Senior Curriculum Consultant at Cornerstones. Hello to both of you. Hello. Hello. So um, this is our kind of our first episode proper. Me and Mel recorded uh, the first episode, which was kind of an introduction to the show. Um, if you haven't heard that, it's probably worth listening. It's a good intro. Um, today, we're going to record um, the first in what will be a short series on the idea of a broadened, balanced curriculum. Um, so we're going to be talking about what that actually means in this episode Um, And then in the next couple of episodes, we'll be sharing some ideas and tips on how to build a broad and balanced curriculum in your school. Um, But this is the this is the first one in the series. So we want to kind of give a bit of a bit of a definition, a bit of defining and to talk about what what the idea is really. Um, It's kind of a hot topic. Is that fair to say? Is this a hot topic? Uh, yeah, yes. <laughs> definitely at the moment. Yeah. It, yeah, there's a lot of talk about uh, broad and balanced curriculum from quite a few different people. Uh, Sean Hartford is one of them who has talked about schools maybe being a bit confused about what a broad and balanced curriculum is and how to change a narrow curriculum into a broad and balanced curriculum and what it actually looks like. So I think if they've spotted that that sort of confusion... They're trying to make it clear that a broad and balanced curriculum, that schools know why they're teaching certain subjects and and working in a certain way is really important. Yeah, and there's there's also um, the recent commentary from Amanda Spielman about um, curriculum. And same thing, really, just um, talking about um, the the need for a broad and balanced curriculum and, and some of the things in schools that have potentially led to a narrowing of the curriculum over the last few years. Yeah, and it seems it seems like a good idea as we, you know, the podcast is called the curriculum as mm-hmm. well. This feels like a good place to start. Um, so, shall I give Ofsted's working definition of the, the word curriculum? If you if you want to, <laughs> yeah. Brace yourselves; it's exciting stuff. It's long. So, um, but it's worth us sort of if we're setting the context. I'll, I'll just I'll just read it through. So they say. A framework for setting out the aims of a programme of education, including the knowledge and understanding to be gained at each stage, in brackets, intent, for translating that framework over time into a structure and narrative within an institutional context, in brackets, implementation, and for evaluating what knowledge and understanding pupils have gained against expectations, in brackets, impact and achievement. Um, so that's kind of Ofsted's definition of curriculum. That, and, that, and that's quite a mouthful and yeah. a lot to get your head around. It's all one um, sentence as well. Which it, is... <laughs> no punctuation. <laughs> yeah. Um, I, if, if I was explaining it very simply, I would say that um, the curriculum is, is, is a menu that you offer to children. Um, and the notion of a broad and balanced curriculum would be um, imagining going to a restaurant and having a choice of fantastic dishes of all different kinds um, because a, a narrow curriculum would be the complete opposite, would be a menu with one or two things on the menu. And even if you love those things, if you love those foods, eating them, have, eating them all the time and having just a diet of those foods exclusively um, obviously you would very soon lose interest in that so for me it's a menu 
of, of, of learning, of experiences and opportunities that we offer the children. I don't know what you think, Catherine. <laughs> yeah, exactly that. It's um, thinking about all children are different and you need to provide something in your curriculum to interest everybody and almost ignite the imagination of everybody and find the skills of everyone in the class. And if you, you've got a broad curriculum you've got the chance to do that if you've only got a narrow curriculum and you're focusing on one or two things as Mel says it's very very difficult for children to achieve if they are not as capable in those subjects but also it is about finding your passions for the rest of your life it's not just about that moment in the classroom now and it's over Mm. it's building a picture of a child a holistic picture okay and and so I guess um the question really is for me, is, is what does that look like in, in practical terms? And I'm going to say that, I might say this a lot on this podcast, I'm going to say, as a parent, um, and not a teacher in my case, but as a parent, what does that actually mean? In practical terms, what, what does having a broad and balanced curriculum mean? Because I think I would, as a parent, I would assume that that's, you know, everything you've just said makes sense, but I, I, that's kind of what I would assume to be the case anyway, so... Well, I think there's, there's lots of things that you would see as a parent or as a visitor to any classroom that, that would probably tell you immediately what's, what's going on there. Yeah. Um, so perhaps one of the first things that you might notice if you were to look around the classroom would be um, displays that reflected all different areas of the curriculum. So you would have a display about science, uh, you might have an art display, you might also have a literacy display and that's fine. But you would really want to see a whole range of um, subjects reflected in the displays around the classroom. Yeah, excellent quality work as well displayed. You, you can only get excellent quality work if your curriculum's really enriching the children's experiences. So a great range of activities and experiences that also the children can be willing to talk to about talk to you about themselves it's important that they can say and articulate what they've learned about and if children are talking excitedly about the curriculum and what they've learned in history and what they've learned in science and um if their conversations reflect a broad knowledge base then you know that they are getting a a rich diet of curriculum subjects um i suppose the other way that you would see that is um if you were to look in the children's books um, you know, it's lovely when you go into a classroom and um, you see that children have topic books or project books, yeah. which are, which are full of um, you know really exciting, really thoughtful explorations in different areas of the class, uh, different areas of the curriculum. Sorry, um, mm-hmm. and I presume as well f- for parents um, that the homework that the children is getting is is not purely maths and English, yeah. um, but you know, that they might be being asked to do uh, to, to, to homework that links to different areas of the curriculum as well. That would be a, a good indicator, I think. Yeah, I think that's really important. Um, the idea that children can bring home the learning and articulate it to parents means that they've taken on board all the learning that they've done in the classroom and want to share it with others. I used to love when children would want to show you their books and be really proud of the work that they'd done in them if you were visiting another classroom and tell you about what they'd been learning. And I think as well, um, I suppose to a lesser degree, because there are other factors that influence sort of resourcing, um, mainly budget. But um, if you were going into a classroom, um, you know, you you would be looking for um, equipment that would enable children to do 
subjects across the curriculum so you know you, you might be looking for practical science equipment you might be looking to see if they've got a creative area even in years five and six I would want mm. to see a creative area in the classroom yeah role play as well role play perhaps a research area um that there was a good selection of uh, fiction and non-fiction books on on different areas yeah. of the curriculum or would be a really good indication to me that there was a really broad curriculum going on yeah i think even things like music equipment mm-hmm. things that the children can use that are engaging for all subjects uh is really important. I, music's a big thing for me. So if you see a beautiful uh, set of musical instruments that the children know how to use, that shows to me that they've got got a good understanding of, of that subject. Okay, so I, I get the idea that it's doing a broad, a broad range of subjects and not focusing just on one or two, especially English and maths, important mm-hmm. as that is. Yeah. yeah. What about... Um, doing stuff outside of school as as well is that is that part of does that come under the, the idea of a broad and balanced curriculum or first-hand experiences that are not classroom based of course the, the first-hand or rich experiences whatever you want to call them obviously my personal belief is that they should be at the heart of children's learning and there's nothing richer than experiencing something first-hand to make it meaningful and to help children understand it um so Yes, absolutely. Those experiences should be integral to a curriculum. So, for example, if you're doing a topic on mini beasts, you yeah. would have to go out and see <laughs> mini beasts, even if you were going onto the school field to do that, yeah. or be more adventurous and going to an insect house. Either of those is perfectly feasible and will give the children so much inspiration and knowledge and understanding of the topic, even as a starting point. Um, there is some sort of conversation about whether extracurricular activities are are part of a broad and balanced curriculum. They are, but personally, I wouldn't just want to say, well, that's where our rich curriculum comes from, mm-hmm. the extracurricular <laughs> activities. I would want to see that at the heart of what's going on in the classroom. Yes, yeah, they, well. they enrich extracurricular activities, enrich children's lives in school and sometimes can be linked sometimes not Uh, but I agree with Mel that those first-hand experiences are so important but they don't have to be expensive they They don't don't have to be long even a walk outside and just looking up or closing your eyes and listening to the sounds outside might really inspire children and encourage them to learn more Um, So the idea is planning carefully in your curriculum for those experiences that will spark something in the children and want them to find out more. Yeah, it's it's really important that people are not put off by budgetary constraints. And I know that's easy to say, but it really is about, you know, think of your ideal. And if you if you can't manage that, think of (laughs) something that's almost (laughs) almost the the second option, you know, and, you know, there are lots of ways of of gaining first-hand experiences if you can't afford to pay for um i don't know an expert to come into school put a shout out to parents to see if there's anybody who has expertise in that area of the curriculum or the topic that you're doing um to see if they're willing to come in you know it doesn't have to cost a lot no and explore your locality as well your curriculum should be based around your locality and you if you use the things that are around you you'll be able to to create some amazing experiences um using the, the things that are there and easily accessible 
Okay, well, I think the final thing that we we're going to talk about, but I feel like we might have covered a lot of it uh, anyway, is, is this <laughs> idea of, of it, why is it important? So we talked about, you know, the fact that this is a bit of a hot topic and what it is, but, but why is it so important? What sort of, what difference does it make to, to make sure that the, the curriculum is, is, you know, broad and balanced? Well, I think that Catherine touched on this is probably the most important thing is if you're only offering children a, a narrow diet, a narrow cur- curriculum, then you're not going to engage all of the no. children and you know children learn when they're engaged and they're interested and if they're not they're not they're not going to learn or they might learn something for a, for a very short period of time that yeah. they can recall but they're not going to have that deep understanding yeah that deep knowledge or and knowledge linking the knowledge together as well I just totally agree with Mel and I think the analogy of the menu from the beginning of the podcast is really interesting. If you've got a couple of meals on a menu, if you love them, you'll get bored of them because you've only got a couple to choose from. But if you hate those foods and and you want something else and you can't access it, that can become very, very frustrating. Mm. So to be able to offer a broad curriculum that will cater and spark off the children in your class each and every one of them amazing things might happen in the other subjects um english can improve maths can improve if those skills are coming across Mm. your curriculum so it's a win-win situation to make it as interesting and vibrant and broad as possible and of course there is now evidence coming out from officer that says you know that the schools that achieve well are the schools which are offering children a broad and balanced curriculum and celebrating all subjects and there's lots of research and there's lots of information about that particularly on the Ofsted um, website and and another issue at the moment um, is picked out in Amanda Spielman's report it's about the social mobility of of children um, and the particular disadvantage it is for children from you know um, socially deprived um, areas if they're not receiving that broad and balanced curriculum, because, you know, quite often those children are the children that don't have access to theatre, um, you know, those rich first-hand experiences. Uh, and, and for them, it's a real disservice if a school is not striving to provide that broad and balanced curriculum. And, you know, to be able to follow your passions, you've got to know what they are and to find them first. And those, yes, have, th- yeah. those children might not necessarily get to learn to play an instrument or listen to music or visit an art gallery or so social mobility is also you know really key when we're looking at why a a broad and balanced curriculum is important yeah i mean it's it's about being kind of well-rounded as well isn't it it's an individual just as a human being it's about life isn't it (laughs) indeed okay well um that's it that went quickly didn't it It yeah We did say uh, in the in the first intro episode that we're going to make these episodes between 10 and 15 minutes just so they can squeeze into your coffee break if you possibly can find one in the day and um, or, you know, get into work, that kind of thing. So so that's it. Just enough for me to tell you how to subscribe to the show. We're going to be posting uh, these episodes to the Cornerstones blog. So you can go there, cornerstoneseducation.co.uk slash blog. Um, but uh, you can subscribe. And this is the way most people um, get their podcasts. Um, if you've got an iPhone or iPad, then go to the um, the App Store, download the Apple Podcasts app, search for the show in there, so the curriculum or Cornerstones Education, or both, um, and subscribe in, in the app. Uh, if you've got an Android device, then you can use an app called Pocket Casts, which I recommend, and you can also subscribe in iTunes on your computer. 
um, and there are lots of other ways too if you if you know what you're doing. If you want to find out more about Cornerstones, our curriculum and other products, go to cornerstoneseducation.co.uk. You can learn more about the show, including how to subscribe at cornerstoneseducation.co.uk slash podcast. And we'd love to hear your feedback and uh, ideas for topics, things that you want us to talk about. Um, just get in touch by emailing podcasts at cornerstoneseducation.co.uk or you can get in touch on Twitter too, where we are cornerstones.edu. That is a lot of talking at the end of the show there. That's it. Thanks, Mel. Thank you. And thanks, Catherine. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs>